Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. We all hope, and this is what we are working for, uh, that uh, these uh, Olympic uh, Games, uh, Tokyo 2020, celebrated in uh, 21, what is already uh, symbolic, uh, can uh, uh, be a celebration uh, of uh, humankind uh, after having overcome uh, their uh, this unprecedented challenge of uh, the uh, of the uh, coronavirus, and uh, that uh, there then indeed these uh, Olympic Games and uh, the Olympic uh, flame uh, can be uh, a light at the end of uh, this uh, very dark uh, tunnel uh, humankind is uh, going through at uh, this moment, and of which we do not know uh, how long how long it is. Mesdames et Messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympics fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Alison Brown. Alison, hello. What's I'm happened? Di- i am been disinfecting furiously and I've been a little distracted by some news this week. Yes, we got the word Tokyo 2020 has been postponed for this year and it will happen before the end of next summer. So it's Tokyo 20 eventually. Yes, exactly. Today, uh, we've got uh, a long episode for you because we've been touching base with members of Team Olympic Fever, and we wanted to hear their perspectives on what was going on with the whole situation. But let's talk first about how this all went down, because for a long time, the IOC was, everything's fine, Tokyo's a go, everything is going to be business as usual come the end of July. And then... You started to see a lot of athletes talking about, hey, our events are getting canceled. This is not safe. So on Sunday, March 22nd, the IOC made a statement where they agreed to step up scenario planning for Tokyo 2020, but it was going to take them four weeks to make a decision. But anything that they came up with would not include cancellation because that was not going to be an option. Took that off the table right off the bat, which was good. Right. And not just good because it would 
just destroy the athletes, but like the money and time sunk into these games is incredible. And the last thing you really want to do at this point is cancel them. So that was a good thing that they did. Then on Sunday evening, Canada says, we are not going to send athletes if the games are this year in July. And I listened to a call that they had about that decision uh, a little bit later. And they provide, they said that they had provided info to the IOC on how the COVID-19 was affecting their athletes. And they strongly recommended that the IOC in Tokyo 2020 postpone the games. And they also offered their full support in helping for the move. And so we were able to get a hold of our artistic swimmer, Jacqueline Simino, and she told us her perspective on the situation. Take a listen. How are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, it's been really strange being at home for this long, especially this period time of the year. Um, but good. <laughs> how about you guys? Is everybody healthy, safe? Yes, yeah. yes. And how is yeah. Claudia doing? She well as well? Good. good. Yeah. Were you supposed to be traveling now, or is this mostly a practice period for you? I was supposed to be in Europe. I was supposed to leave about a week ago for the World Series, and I think at this moment I was supposed to be in, in Greece or Russia or something like that. <laughs> that all got canceled. What are you doing in terms of training right now since you can't be in the pool and you can't be together? So training, we've been training obviously all on our own in this self-isolation period. So we've had a bunch of cardio, some weight training with whatever we could rummage up at home. So our outside on-land training really hasn't changed that much to what we do on a day-to-day training plan. It's just that we're missing a pool and I'm missing my training partners to train next to me so that we could be synchronized in the water. I was going to say, do you ever just all get on Zoom and do it together on a video <laughs> conference? Yes, actually. Um, so all of last week and a bit of the week before that, uh, we had daily Zoom calls or even sometimes calls on, on Snapchat. And we'd go over our routine and specific techniques that we do in the water and, and precise certain movements. Up until the Olympics then got postponed and then we figured uh, we have about 17 months <laughs> to figure it out. Now we're taking a week off to kind of decompress, at least with our meetings, and we'll have weekly or biweekly meetings after that. And how much time are you spending working on your splits? Uh, probably not as much as I should have, but about an hour a day. Um, but don't I should probably don't lose more the split, can... Jacqueline. Don't lose the split. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't so how much... yet, but I, I have some, the opportunity to actually make it better, so I might as well take advantage of the time. <laughs> So Team Canada was one of the first, if not the first, to announce that they would not be sending a team prior to the official postponement. Did you get any prior notice of the announcement? Mm-hmm. Um, great question. So our, our chef de mission, Marnie McBean, sent us out a quick email a couple of minutes before the official announcement came out, just telling us to look out what's going to happen in the news and kind of give us a heads up. And then we obviously saw it in the news. And yesterday we had a call with the entire Canadian Olympic Committee. So that was over 500 people on this call. You had all the Olympic athletes. You had their whole entire medical staff, the athletes cancel. And they explained to us why they made this decision, how they came up to this decision. And it turns out that it was actually a unanimous decision, too, because um, at the end of the day, our health is really important, but also global public health and safety is a number one priority here. So I think it was a sound decision. Some athletes, of course, were perhaps uh, a little bit apprehensive on, on not 
knowing the specific details beforehand, but there's only so much you could do because the COC wanted to deliver a clear message um, and didn't want to have any leaks beforehand. So I completely understand why they went through this entire process. Had they been doing like surveys of athletes and what they were thinking beforehand, or was this just kind of a, hey, heads up, we're doing this? So in Canada, we have different organizations. We have, uh, within the Canadian Olympic Committee, we elected members to the Athletes Council. And when we elect these, these athletes to the Athletes Council, they are essentially our voice. We are free to reach out to them whenever we want to. And the athletes in the Athletes Council are the ones who represented us while making this decision. But we also have what's called uh, Athletes Can. And Athletes Can, I believe, sent out a survey and you could also report to them your, your thoughts and they, they will report to different national sport organizations within the country. And then with, like, on the global scale, you have this organization called FINA and it, that covers all water sports. And again, there you have your athlete representatives and one specific person from France named Delchemy Dizier is the synchronized swimming or now called artistic swimming representative. And she touched base to um, the athlete representatives within each country. And so she contacted me. And then from there on, I contacted all of my teammates and we came to a consensus of what we wanted to happen with the games and reported to Virginie and she reported uh, the general consensus to FINA as well. Well, it seems like throughout you've been getting good communication, which is reassuring. Yes, definitely. I mean, I, I feel like I've definitely been heard throughout this entire process and it makes all the athletes feel included. So just in general, how are things, are you still in Montreal? Yeah, I'm still in Montreal. I'm staying at home and taking advantage of the time to spend uh, some time with my family members. I don't generally get time to spend with this time of year. So how are things there? How does the city look? Oh boy. I mean, yesterday I went on, I usually wake up in the morning and I either go for a walk or a run to start off my day and Yesterday, it was, it was snowing in Montreal, which is very strange, uh, especially during spring. But I was running by these parks, and they were the city members putting up signs by the parks with the COVID-19 virus, and you're not allowed. It's forbidden to play in the parks, and it's deserted. It's so strange. Um, usually in my neighborhood, it's a low-density neighborhood, but you still have the, the occasional runners that come by, but it was deserted. There was no cars running by. I live fairly close to the airport as well, and I usually hear planes pass by every couple of minutes, but now there's oof, maybe a plane or two per hour. So it's it's definitely a strange vibe in my neighborhood at the moment. Has FINA been talking about when they might reschedule everything that's been postponed this spring? <laughs> that's, that's a great question. So from my understanding, uh, the call that I was on with the entire team of the committee yesterday is that the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, has to first pick the dates that they'd like the 2021 Olympics to take place on. From there, I believe FINA will schedule all their World Series. And the problem is with 2021 is that many um, sports have their World Championships on that year. So we're not quite sure how they're going to manage, whether we do it before the Olympics, after the Olympics, maybe 2022. Um, I was speaking to one of my buddies out yesterday in Vancouver. He's um, in athletics and he was maybe thinking that we'll push an entire year for the world championships to have everything uh, one year being Olympics, one year world champs. And that was nonstop uh, from Tokyo to Paris. But that was just a oh thought, God. of course, we're just brainstorming out loud. 
Yeah, because a lot of sports skip world championships in Olympic years. Exactly, yeah. So for us, um, in particular, it's every two years. So this can get a little tricky. It'll be a surprise. So how are you feeling? How are you handling all of this? Pretty well. When I first saw the news Sunday night about the COC not sending athletes to Tokyo in 2020, I was a little, uh, I guess, shocked. And it's been a roller coaster of emotions ever since. But I, I was hopeful that the IOC would push the Olympics, knowing that the COC made a, uh, a low-risk, high-reward decision there. So overall, in that sense, I've been feeling pretty good. Um, and there's so much more at stake. I mean, yes, there's the Olympics. And, you know, what that's really important for us. We've been training our entire lives. But there's people around the world who are in similar, if not worse, situations where perhaps they were hoping to finish their degrees, uh, people who were losing jobs. So I could only feel sympathetic towards everybody else in the world who are going through much graver situations because now we have a light at the end of the tunnel um, that's just can push a year. But for some other people, maybe their dreams of opening their business or whatnot uh, has now completely changed because of the situation that's going on now in the world. How has this affected your personal life and planning for beyond sport? So this year, I applied uh, to medical school. I graduated in health sciences in December, and it was always my plan to to apply to medical school. I mean, just a little backtracking here. Since since the age of five, I've always had two goals, which were to, to go to the Olympics and to become a doctor and go to medical school. And since I graduated, I was now, I guess you could say, admissible. Um, so I applied to, to medicine, dentistry, neuroscience, occupational therapy, physiotherapy, a bunch of programs. Um, and I'm still waiting to hear back from these schools. But the thing is here, I applied for the fall of 2020 semester. Uh, now with the Olympics coming up in 2021, um, I'm not quite sure how the logistics of everything is going to work out. And I came to realize fairly quickly that, you know what, at this moment, there's so many things that are out of my control. There's so much uncertainty but now what I control at the moment is really just my day to day and, and what I do with my time and how to make the best of it and then just roll with the punches as, as they come. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people in your situation who are deferring. <laughs> yeah. What else are you doing with your time? Are you any guilty pleasures or streaming suggestions? <laughs> uh, I haven't watched too, too much. When I was in a training camp in Hawaii, I watched, uh, this is probably terrible right now, but this is before the whole pandemic broke out. I watched uh, the Netflix series called Pandemic, <laughs> and I found that fairly interesting. But just a little of what else I've been doing. I've, I've been painting, actually. This is something that I've never done before. I'm not an artistic person, but I, I bought some paint, and I've been doing some, I've been painting this wave with a sunset um, and that's for almost done. And, all, and about a month ago, too, I got really bored. So I wasn't technically in school this semester. I was just working on applications. But I got really bored about a month and a half ago now or a month. And I enrolled in a class. So I, I, it's a neuroscience class. And it, it's been really, really interesting. And now that I have the time to actually study, go through it, it's all online. So I could do it at my own pace. That's what I've been doing to fill up my time. Okay. Do you ever paint with your feet? <laughs> No, but I, I probably can because my, my, my boyfriend calls me a monkey um, because of synchronized swimmers. <laughs> we have this dexterity with our feet. I, I probably could, and I could try that, actually. <laughs> hey, you know, you're going to be in quarantine for a while. You've got to entertain yourself. 
<laughs> yeah. Build you know multiple skills out, here. I'll tag you guys in the video. Awesome. <laughs> Jackie, thank you for taking some time and talking with us, and I'm glad things are going as well as they can be. It's probably nice to get a week off and then try to figure out where to go from there. We're following it just as much as you are. Eat the ice cream, Jacqueline. <laughs> Eat the ice oh, cream. Yeah. <laughs> All the ice cream. Actually, I've been using an ice cream tub. So we have a big four-liter tub here at home. It's kind of a med ball for ab workouts, so I've just been <laughs> holding it and using it in my workouts. <laughs> And then, of course, I, I take a bowl of ice cream afterwards when I'm done. So it's, it's been great. <laughs> so wait, that means your workouts get easier as there's less ice cream in the tub. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I need to go to the store and replenish that tub of ice cream. Very soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's my kind of workout. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's kind of, it goes with phases, right? It starts off really hard and heavy, and then as the days go by, lighter and lighter, and then it just, you know, it's like phases, heavy again. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like a really hard, and you taper off to the big finale where you have to go out to the store. (laughs) 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 Well, I'm glad your spirits are up, and you sound like you're handling this all very well, and I'm so glad to hear it. (laughs) Thanks. It was great chatting with you guys. Oh, it's great chatting with you, too. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. It was so good to talk to her. I will say this. And she is so up and pumped and doing okay, which was good to hear and and reassuring. Yes. So it's nice that we have some members of Team Olympic Fever that are not from the U.S. so that we can get that global perspective. So, Jackie, we appreciate you being on the team. We had wanted to try and get a hold of Marnie McBean, the chef de mission for Canada, who Jacqueline mentioned she did hear from, but there was no getting a hold of Marnie right. this week. Yeah, very, very busy. Poor so, thing. So maybe we'll be able to touch base with her a little later on. So Canada says we're not coming. Then Monday, March 23, and given this, this is the date, so this is going to be in local time. Australia, the Australian Olympic Committee, plans for a postponed Games. Now, Canada said this is was separate from what they did. They did not work together. Canada told Australia and the United States after they'd made their decision. And then Canada also said that they were surprised by what the Australians came out with. And you know who's the head of the Australian Olympic Committee? John, John Coates. Coates. <laughs> Our favorite rogue. <laughs> so no big surprise that he comes out with a statement. Right, but it's interesting because the Australian Olympic Committee's statement did not include him at all. He has been quiet this whole time. He let other people do it for him. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know what. He is also the head of the Tokyo 2020 Planning Commission, which is the IOC group that is kind of tasked with interfacing with the Tokyo 2020 Organizing Committee. So, you know, he, he kind of knew what was going on. Then... Later on Monday, Dick Pound goes rogue, talks with Christine Brennan from USA Today, and says they're going to be postponed. Not official, but I'm in the know. Kind of snowballs from there. And so for us here, Tuesday and Wednesday were the big days where we were able to talk to a lot of people. And Tuesday morning, we talked with Deanna Price. And uh, here's what she was thinking about the possibility of a postponement. Take a listen. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> good morning. 
a little stunned, probably. <laughs> you know, it's it's just more about just keep breathing and just keep swimming. <laughs> but not swimming because we can't be in pools. Exactly. <laughs> What's it been like for you with the, the virus? Like, when did you lose access to training facilities and all that? Yes, we did. So... Once they declared, so it was actually my husband, he's a coach here at Southern Illinois University of Carbondale, and uh, he was actually on his way to take uh, his senior, who finally made it to nationals in the weight throw, and they were in St. Louis getting ready to fly out for indoor nationals, and they were about five minutes from boarding, and they called and said, hey, we're not having it due to the coronavirus. And it just, it was crushing. So they drove back home and that's when we started planning because we said if the NCAA has already canceled not only their indoor nationals, but already their outdoor nationals, it's about to get pretty real pretty quick. So luckily, you know, um, I had some money in my savings account and decided to purchase like just a regular basic weight room, just like a place where I could squat, a place where I could clean. And I'm so glad that we did because not two days later after we bought the weight room site, our weight room facility shut down, our throwing facility shut down. I'm very, very fortunate that I still can like find places with a concrete pad and do some turns and throw off of, luckily because I'm in more of a rural area. But uh, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. (laughs) It's been uh, very stressful, but you know, I've just been trying to roll with the punches. <laughs> so how's been the emotional taxation of all of this? It, it is extreme because it's, um, I'm very much big on, it's not me, it's we. So I know um, one of the IOC members said about postponement of the Olympics. And to me, I don't, like they said that it's, official but not official because there's only one member was saying it so basically we're just going to wait a couple more weeks to see exactly what's going on but it is extremely emotionally taxing because you have to sit there and think exactly how you're going to play in your day what exactly you're going to do Uh, but it doesn't only affect you you know I'm worried about you know my friends just other people who are trying to make their Olympic dreams a reality and they're in areas that are more shut down than where I'm at now or you know like Adeline Gray you know she can't train you know can't wrestle swimmers can't swim in their pools you know luckily my event you know I can I can scrounge and make things work it's very difficult I don't think that it's I'm gonna get exactly you know what I want out of everything but at least I can still do something versus you know other sports that our contact, you know, or team affiliated, and they can't do it. And I just don't think that's exactly fair. And sometimes that they're even putting themselves at risk with even like trying to wrestle other athletes, trying to figure out how to make things work. And it does, it makes, it makes me worried for them because we're all family. It doesn't matter, you know, what country you're from, doesn't matter, you know, what sport you're in. We're all in this together. And, we're all trying to make the situation work. And so I'm just hoping and praying that, you know, that we're all going to be healthy and uh, hopefully just stay good. <laughs> and you're a hugger, Deanna. So this is really hard. I am. This is the hardest thing. 
I've already broke my rule like five times. <laughs> <laughs> my husband's just sitting there. He's like, I, I just I see someone I haven't seen in a while. And I'm like, hey. My husband's like, stop! (laughs) (laughs) Like, if somebody just seems sad, I want to hug them. But it's been really hard for me here on my street. I've been kind of going around to the older individuals and just asking, like, hey, do you need me to get you anything? I'll be happy to go to the store and get you something. Because even though, you know, it put me a little bit more at risk, but they are at such a high probability of not coming back from it if they get sick. So to me, it's just like, I couldn't imagine just going to the store and worrying about, you know, am I going to make it out alive from that? So it it has been, uh, it's been extremely difficult trying not to hug people or trying not to help others. But I think it's to the point where, you know, we all kind of got to, help each other you know every time I see Italy's death toll it just it really hits me hard because I couldn't imagine that just people just passing away so quickly and you know they're not getting the help that's needed and then seeing the I guess uh, our rate keep jumping and jumping and I'm just like yep it's all right (laughs) take a big deep breath in take deep breath out you know and, um, and like I said you know I am for the postponement due to athletes putting themselves at risk trying to get training in because it's just, you know, I here in Missouri, I think there was a woman who was only 30 years old, completely healthy, completely fine. And it was one of our first cases and she, she died. And I'm like, she's 30. That's three years older than me. (laughs) What if she had like any other preconditions? It's just, it's, it's, it's scary, you know, um, it's just more of how fast and rapid it spreads is more of my concern and not only thinking of, like, trying not to think about yourself and think about, you know, stay inside and do it for somebody else. Because I know if I got somebody sick, I could not live with myself knowing that I possibly got someone else infected. So I've been trying really, 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 really hard not to hug anyone. <laughs> Hug the dogs. They can't catch it. Exactly. I was literally just staying at home with my babies. So how has the communication been from the USOPC or World Athletics or your national governing body? They've been pretty forthright, but at the same time, like, they're like, hey, we're trying to figure this out. As, you know, we've never had this happen before. You know, we've dealt with world wars. We've dealt with teams boycotting, but we've never had an instance where uh, pandemic like this has, has really occurred. Like, they're like, we've dealt with Zika and other, we've dealt with that, but that's transmitted through like mosquitoes. You know, this is person to person contact. So we are really looking into seeing it. Um, we got done with the Skype. There's about, they weren't expecting as many people to jump on. There was over 300 of us who logged in just to be like, okay kind of voice our concerns and kind of talk and just be like you know what what is our plan for this and they ask our opinions of you know should it be postponed should it be canceled and I think it was like 75 percent was saying that we would like it to be postponed due to just the amount of how much it's spreading and you know postponing it to either you know later late this year or aiming for 2021 
and then push back Worlds in Eugene to 2022, just to kind of give everybody a peace of mind and that they don't have to worry or put themselves at risk. And I'm very, very fortunate that, you know, my husband and I both, you know, put some money away that we can, you know, get a weight room. But I know a lot of athletes that they're, they're locked. They can't do anything. They're just running on a street. They can't go to their local track at their university because it's completely shut down. And a lot of our Olympic athletes for track and field, you know, I was a college student when I made my first Olympic team. And to me, I'm just like, dang, that is insane because they they're not really getting what they need. You know, they, they're not at that level yet where they get that support or that they're financially support of themselves to do this yet by themselves. And uh, it's, it's definitely, you know, ah, stressful. <laughs> what is your favorite training that you've acquired now that you have not, <laughs> don't have access to your gym? Are you finding like new creative ways to, to do things? Oh, man. You know, we're kind of, you know, just doing turns in my driveway <laughs> has been a thing here. <laughs> my neighbors come out and they just kind of look at me like I'm crazy doing turns and spins in my driveway. But, you know, it's just finding different opportunities of places to train, you know, doing uh, having our little gym now in our garage. We've moved everything out like because we were so loud because we moved here last year. And let me tell you something. We still have boxes everywhere from moving. <laughs> so, but I said the only positive, the positive thing out of this is that we finally cleaned out our garage, got everything organized. And then now, you know, we have a little weight room set in there that we can do. And, um, you know, really working on balance, working on, you know, right hip activation drills. I feel like, you know, it, it's going to be okay. As long as, you know, we just keep trying to stay healthy, figure different ways to work things out. My biggest concern is that people aren't going to get the proper training and this is going to cause like a mini peak, which then once, if they figure out, if they're going to postpone it later in the year, then kids are going to try and go back into their base and then it's going to cause injury. So it's definitely, you know, take care of yourself, make sure, you know, you're doing the proper things. If you start getting back into a more high intensity training, gradually do it. Don't just go full swing and back in because that is a recipe for getting yourself injured. Just be smart. You know, we're trying to take every precaution here to make sure that like, cause it's not just me training here post-collegiantly. It's, you know, Josh Freeman, shot putter, Alex Morgan, discus thrower, Daniel Roberts, my training partner, hammer thrower. And uh, it's funny cause we'll be, We'll throw out a field together and we're all standing six feet apart and we all have our own independent implements that we throw that we don't touch that other, you know, I'm not going to touch somebody else's implements. So we're definitely making sure that, you know, we're taking the right precautions. That's like the only thing that I am worried about is that doping control has, has kind of slowed down and they haven't gotten out because, you know, they don't want to spread anything. And we do have to take that in consideration that, about, you know, are people going to take advantage of this? And I'm just, I just really hope not. <laughs> it's just, like, it's just definitely, uh, it, it's, it's stressful. It's very stressful. There's so many what ifs. People aren't getting training. And it's just, you know, big deep breaths. Luckily, you know, I'm very fortunate that I'm able to get my training in and I'm still going. You know, just had like three PRs yesterday. 
<laughs> it's just one of those things where you're just like, okay, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm very fortunate that I have a wonderful husband who is very supportive of everything that I do. And he was like, hey, whatever happens, happens. If they postpone this, we'll keep training through and we'll just, we'll figure out when we're going to take a break. And then after all this kind of comes over, we'll go on a little vacation. He goes, maybe like a weekend, we'll do something together. And so I was like, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it helps when you're self-isolated with a coach. It really does. And and I feel terrible for because there are coaches out there, you know, they have kids and daycares are shutting down. So they're trying to figure out how are they going to, they're not going to get that good one-to-one time with their athlete. And it, it definitely is, you know, I, like I said, I have a an upper leg on the situation because I am married to my coach and he, he has been a huge support system for me where he's just like, okay, you're not going to, this is not an issue. We'll figure this out. Take a deep breath. And he goes, let's go train. Let's go, you know, get things done. I was like, you know, here, you know, unfortunately like massage therapist and chiropractor care, you know, are all shutting down. So I'm just like, uh, <laughs> Hey, so, you know, I'm just like, JC, I'll give you a massage on your traps if you massage this right hip. <laughs> you know, but it's going good. It's definitely so many things that are up in the air. We're just going to keep our training the way it is right now and then wait till we start hearing different things. And then we might modify to, you know, going back into a base or even taking time off to recalibrate to figure out exactly what we're going to do. Oh, well, good luck, Deanna. And uh, <laughs> hang in there. And yeah, deep breaths. Hug who you can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, send- like- we're sending you virtual hugs. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, I told my husband, he's not, he's, it's so funny because we're, we're a little bit opposite, you know, opposite track. Uh, I am very much social butterfly. I love hugs. I love, you know, energy. And he's more of like homebody. He's not a touchy-feely person, and, you know, I've been feeling really, you know, down here lately because I haven't, you know, had my people contact, and I told him, I was like, listen, I know you're going to hate this, but I need, like, three hugs a day. I was like, one in the morning, one at lunch, one at night. <laughs> so he kept telling me, I was like, and that, no side hugs, full chest-to-chest. <laughs> and he just, he's so, he's like, will this help training? I go, yes. Uh, you know he's like fine see I totally get it because I'm a hugger too (laughs) yes it's needed it is needed I was like I need my endorphins you're gonna have a very cranky wife sir (laughs) and a very cranky athlete so this is is double for him oh yeah exactly (laughs) well if, if I had any other advice for athletes Keep holding on. Figure out things to do at home. Stay healthy. Make sure you're taking your vitamin C's and just keep breathing. <laughs> we will get there. <laughs> that we will. Thank you so much, Deanna. I am very glad you asked about the hugs, by the way. <laughs> that was an well, excellent question. <laughs> and as I told her, I'm a hugger too. So thankfully, I have my dog and my husband around. <laughs> but it's it's hard, man. And the, the one thing in... in all the people that we've been checking in on, on Instagram and on Twitter and getting to talk to, their spirits are so good. They are so 
relieved with this postponement. The mm-hmm. athletes across the board, everything I've seen has been a good one. They've gotten really good communication mm-hmm. and two, they are pleased with this decision, which is all I need. If yes, the athletes I'm, are happy, I'm happy. Right. And that's, I'm really glad that the communication has been good because we know that in the past communication on different matters has not been good. And it's been very frustrating when you're the people that this event revolves around essentially. So it's good that everybody's been in good communication. While we were talking with Deanna, the headline appeared that the games had been postponed. So we didn't bring that up in our interview because we did not want to be the ones to break that news to her. She should really find that out from other means. And yeah, it wasn't appropriate. And some people might like the, oh, let's spring it on her in the middle of an interview. That's not us. Right, right, right. Not cool. Right. So that's Tuesday, the 24th the IOC and the Tokyo 2020 Organizing Committee released a joint statement that the games were indeed postponed. And not that long after we talked with Deanna, we talked with Samantha Schultz, our modern pentathlete, and talked with her about her thoughts, and she was aware that the postponement was official. Take a listen. How have you been feeling emotionally about all of this? I mean, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, uh... I'm sad. I'm happy. It's it really, it's kind of, I did this mindful session the other day and they were talking about a way to describe your emotions with the weather. And I said, windy, I, I feel like I'm being blown around in all different directions. And there's so many, so many articles, so much news coming out and you don't really know what to believe. I don't know which direction. And so in a way I'm, I'm very happy that the games aren't canceled. That's a huge relief, um, and I think it is a relief to know that they have been postponed. It's hard because I know I've put in so much work, and I'm fit, I'm strong. I was like, you know, you're you're excited, you're ready to go, and then it's almost like a letdown of, okay, like I I may have another year of this, which is hard. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of dedication. Um, but at the same time, to have that opportunity to still compete in the Olympics, um, I have to be really grateful for that. My heart goes out to all those college, high school athletes that are done. Like, they're seniors, and they didn't get that opportunity to compete again. Their season was cut short. Their graduation may not happen in person. Um, you know, so those opportunities, I feel like, are really hard. So I have to be really grateful that I still have an opportunity to go to the Olympics and compete, whether or not that means me training another year, you know, just waiting for this to kind of pass and hopefully get back on track with training. It takes a little bit of pressure off and a little bit of anxiety right now of like, oh my gosh, I need to find a pool. I need to find somewhere to fence. I need to do this. You know, I'm, I'm trying to set up things at home a target for fencing, a tennis ball, doing footwork drills in my garage. You know, I don't have people to bout with, but I can still do things under my, my containment, my quarantine. And I'm not trying to go out there and break the rules on finding somewhere to swim, finding somewhere to fence with people. Um, I can really adhere to that, those quarantine, you know, self-regulation that are in place so that I can stay healthy, keep others healthy um, and try and do my best there and just hope that this goes over, this gets passed on quickly and I can get back to work, get back to training for whenever they postpone the games until. 
your sport is unique in that you have so many different things you've got to train for. So what have you been able to keep up with in, in this? Uh, the biggest thing I've been able to keep up with is running, weather permitting. I'm praying that Colorado <laughs> keeps um, the warm weather and no snowstorms come through. So that's that's I've been grateful for that, to be able to get outside and still be able to run. Um, I can still shoot. I've been able to set up a target. Thankfully, we shoot laser pistols now, so I can still set up a target in my garage and shoot. Fencing, I can't bow with people, but I have a small area in my garage. I have a tennis ball set up, a target. Um, I've had my husband do some footwork drills with me just to kind of break up the monotony. Swimming's been the most difficult. Not being able to get in the water has has really been hard. It's been about a week now, and I'm going through withdrawals with that. Uh, Just doing band exercises and trying to do kind of anything to mimic swimming. Um, I actually am going to be posting a vlog soon on some swimming stuff I've been doing and then just strength and conditioning. I have a couple of weights and some bands and balls that I've been trying to do some at home workouts, you know, definitely isn't the Olympic training center or, um, a full size gym. So I'm kind of a little concerned over time if I'll lose strength that I've built up, but doing the best I can and trying to work with what I have. How do you train for the writing in a normal situation versus what can you do, if anything, now? So right now, the the riding facility is still open. Um, So I will go out probably and ride this week, but it is open to everyone. So that's something I have to be cautious about, too, is, you know, just being around. There there possibly could be someone there. Um, It's usually pretty pretty empty there. So you're not around a whole lot of people, just my trainer. And I know where she's been. Uh, She hasn't traveled, but she's also been around other people too. So that's another area of exposure. I just have to be cautious of, but it's like going to the grocery store. It's kind of, you know, and and that's one, one area, one sport that I can still train. So I'll just be cautious about how much I go out there, but I'll still be able to train that as well. How has the communication been from your federations and from the USOPC? Uh, the USOPC has been really good about communication, especially with the training center. When that closed down, I was getting emails constantly about what was going on, what they're trying to do. It kind of went dark a little bit, or it just kind of went flat for a little while. I think there was so much up in the air and things were changing so much that they weren't really putting anything out because it's like the stuff with Canada came out on pulling out of the games and there was more and more push on the IOC to make a decision. And so I don't think they wanted to put anything out and give false information. They were waiting. So we've kind of, I mean, it's in my federation really hasn't said anything, but I think they also kind of need to wait until they hear more news from what's going on with the U S Olympic and Paralympic committee and the IOC And so sometimes it's kind of better that way. I'd rather kind of hold off and get good information than just be like, okay, we're, (laughs) you know, just flooding your inbox with stuff on unknown news. Um, We're going to wait till we get some decisive factors in here and inform you based on that and just stay patient. Is it better that they announced the postponement even though they don't have new dates? Yes, I believe it is. I think a lot of people were really just 
in question of what is happening. And so I think that does at least give people the hope that, hey, something is being planned. They're not just going to sit there and let people stress out and try to figure out training because you, you, you're eliminating essentially the, the playing field isn't being fair with people that have nowhere to train. They're stuck at home. And then some countries are, you still have athletes that have access to facilities. And so you're essentially, you may not great get the best results at the Olympics with the scenario that we have right now. So that postponement definitely has really helped, I think, ease a lot of athletes' minds. And for us to be able to focus on staying healthy, doing the right thing, staying at home, um, adhering to what everyone is telling us to do. So at the training at the Colorado Springs Training Center, the facilities are shut down, but there are people who still live there. So what is that for them uh, that you've seen? From what I've heard, they because yeah, they do still have to house people there that are on-site residents. As far as I know, there's really strict regulations in the cafeteria on how close they can be. People are serving them food. Everything was very well maintained and they were really following regulations as best they could. So they don't have to completely shut down because um, those athletes may not have any, anywhere to go. And at this point trying to travel for those athletes to try and travel back home to wherever that may be, that could put them at more risk for exposure um, for getting sick. So I think they're doing the best they can. I know that a lot of the staff was heartbroken when they really had to make that decision to close they didn't want to do that. They know how hard we all work and they want to provide that place for us to go to be able to train and stay fit. So I think that was a really hard decision and they're doing everything they can to provide for those athletes that are still there and give them their home essentially. Have you had competitions canceled for this year so far? Yes, actually I would have been in Bulgaria right now. (laughs) My husband and I had, I was supposed to be there for two weeks. Um, We had two World Cups back to back. Um, So I would have left on Sunday and I would have been there for two weeks. But they went ahead and canceled that competition. And then we were also supposed to have another World Cup in Hungary uh, beginning of May. And then World Championships was scheduled in Mexico at end of May. And so I don't know at this point what, they will do as far as the selection that's going to have to be revised and changed with the Olympics being changed as well. So we don't, as far as we know, kind of everything is at a standstill. We're just kind of holding on. That's why I'm trying to be like, okay, like season's postponed. It's not officially, officially canceled. So I still need to, I still need to train. I still need to stay mentally and physically sharp. Uh, I'm trying to just remember that when, you know, it's, it, it is hard at times to get that motivation without having to go to a gym. Uh, so trying to just remember that. And I am glad that they canceled um, these competitions. It definitely, being in the military, there's no way I would have been able to travel to them. And then that creates an unfair playing ground as well. So I'm glad that they made the the decision to cancel it. We'll see what happens with the rest of the season and leading up to next year. How have you heard from your sponsors at all? Pretty much the only company that I work with most mostly is Shackley. Um, And they were, 
I mean, they were quick to respond. They had immunity packs that they wanted to be shipped out to us immediately to help keep us healthy, keep us safe. They put out a bunch of health and immunity stuff when all the coronavirus broke out. And unfortunately, they sold out in like almost everything they had. So we're still waiting to get that. Uh, but they've been really supportive. I haven't really heard from a lot of other companies. Um, but the biggest thing, I didn't really have a whole lot of sponsors. Um, I mean, Army Army is pretty much my sponsor. They they support me. They help get me to competitions. You know, everything else, it's kind of uh, just product here and there from companies. So kind of just... You know, we'll see what happens and <laughs> go with the flow. Which is so hard for athletes to do, probably, because you have such a regimented schedule. Yes. <laughs> so all this uncertainty is, I, I'm sure, really hard. It is really hard. And, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people, a lot of people are struggling, struggling with that. And I think the biggest thing I've been trying to do is just, get on a schedule, you know, still wake up at a good, at a decent time so that I wake up, I'm, I'm getting moving, I'm getting going. I have somewhat of a schedule and a regimen to keep myself engaged, to keep myself busy, still trying to take care of my body, take care of my mind. I think a lot of us, it can, it can get to be like Groundhog Day where you're just, what day is it? Like if you don't leave your house, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're stuck in kind of just looking at your phone, doing social media stuff and not being productive. So I've been trying to make lists of things to do around the house or self productivity things. I, it's kind of nice to be able to be around the house and get things done that I've been putting off for a while because <laughs> I've been so busy with, so busy with training. And I know like, I'm very blessed to be able to have, um, my job in the military I know a lot of people that have lost jobs they don't have a way to pay pay for things now they've been laid off so I just have to really sit back and be grateful for what I do have you know a lot of people are struggling a lot more than I am so just being there for people that need help um, making sure I reach out to family and friends uh, right now that I have a little bit of extra time and just trying to do the best I can with the situation and the cards that we're dealt with we're all in this together essentially and I think that's kind of the best thing about the Olympics it could be a really good opportunity for us to all come together once this is all done and to really have something to look forward to and bring everyone together once all this has cleared up hopefully thank you so much Samantha now the interesting thing is that T-Buck had a press call on uh yesterday tuesday i don't even know what day it is today i know i know but he did have a he had a call with the media after the postponement was arranged and yes after he, the after the the official joint statement was released exactly. he got on the phone with over 400 journalists were on that call exactly and he was talking about what the perspective of the ioc was so you were able to listen to the whole thing i listened to part of it and and to be very honest, I listened to some of it while I was trying to go to sleep to help put me to sleep, and it worked. But the T-Bach lullaby. I know if you if you have insomnia, I could send you this 
this audio and, and you can have T-Bock lull, lull you to sleep as well. Well, I found this tape very interesting. Okay. Well, so he they, did well, have some good things to say. He did have some good things to say. So the big thing that the journalists were really pressing him on was, do we have a new date? And the answer is, we have a committee that is looking at the very many aspects of this. And they're going to come up with a new date. It may be spring. It may be summer. He made a couple comments that I got the very strong impression it's going to be 2021. We're not talking about the fall. I think that's off the table just because they don't have enough time mm -hmm. to do everything that they need to do. So I think we're looking at at earliest spring 2021. So the IOC committee is called Here We Go which T-Bot kept referring to, which I think is great because you can either say it like, here we go, or here we go. So I think they meant it in the latter way. They pushed uh, him questions about qualification. And again, he deferred. He said, these decisions have not been made. And I got the impression that when he made that announcement earlier in the week that they're going to take that four weeks to come up with the decision, they had already made the decision at that point to postpone, mm -hmm. but they wanted to be able to announce everything all at once because they right. knew people were going to have these questions. But because of what Canada was doing, what Australia was doing, they decided to announce the postponement and then say, we'll come up with a plan. So by the end of April, we're going to have all these questions about our qualifications going to change, the exact dates, are any of the venues going to change? And then down the line as to each of the federations have to make changes for what they're doing. Most people on the call seem to not be drilling him. It was a very congenial call, surprisingly enough. I didn't feel a lot of the, you know, T-Bock trying to duck and weave or any of that. The only moment that was a little dicey was one of the reporters asked, so have you thought about when you're going to resign based on your mishandling of all of this? And T-Bot just said no. See, and th I mean, like the idea that it was mishandled is a different perspective from what they were coming up because the, the IOC was really because the part I did here was they were more concerned about the health and they were looking at the numbers in Japan. Would Japan the, the first priority was would Japan be able to host? Their numbers are down. Things were looking good. And then the numbers in the rest of the world were getting worse. And as they moved and the virus has spread to Africa and South America, then they're like talking more furiously with the Japanese and the Japanese government. And that's when they started escalating and having more and more meetings and uh, needing to declare stuff. And in one of the many, many things I've read, I think the four weeks that they wanted initially was like you said, to be able to present the full plan because that seems to be culturally Japanese. They wanted to have all the ducks in the row and present it. So kind of in a way this forced their hand, like you said, but um, it's the other thing that, yes, the other thing that T-Bock said that I thought was very important was obviously Shinzo Abe is on board. All of the organizing committee was on board. Um, the various national Olympic committees, it seemed to be, a unanimous decision. Mm -hmm. Everybody seems to be in agreement that this is the right decision. We'll work out the details. Everybody seems to be rowing in the same direction, which is fantastic. And and such a, 
I was so pleased because the IOC is such a Titanic and you are turning the Titanic on a dime here. And I am, I'm really impressed. I mean, we are hard on the IOC Mm -hmm. and I am really impressed with how they're handling an incredibly fast changing, fast moving, incredibly difficult set of circumstances. Exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned rowing because uh, it's, hear from our next guest this is actually a member of team olympic fever whom you haven't met yet and we talked with dr mary o'connor dr o'connor is the director of the center for musculoskeletal care at the yale school of medicine and yale new haven health Uh, we talked with her and we had this interview on the books for a couple of weeks because mary was part of the women's eight rowing team for the 1980 olympics and we have been wanting to talk about the 1980 boycott for some time and uh, she had reached out to us and wanted to tell her story but she had a really unique perspective on the situation having been a member of that 1980 olympic team take a listen the first question i want to ask you before we really get into it is okay so this morning the ioc announced that tokyo 2020 will be postponed Thank God. Okay, so that's what I wanted to ask you, because you have these two identities. You were a member of the 1980 team who went through that, and you're a doctor. So what was your reaction this morning? You're saying, thank God. So my reaction is that it was the correct decision, and it was the appropriate decision to support the athletes. So in 1980, there was no decision the, decisions, the, the decision that the International Olympic Committee made did not support the athletes. And you, you may know this or not, but we in women's rowing were, were in my opinion, the most vocal of the teams uh, from a political advocacy standpoint. And Amita de France went and spoke to Congress and said, let us go, we will go and just compete. We won't go to the opening or closing ceremonies. We won't go on the medal stand. We just want to compete. Just let us go and compete. We can make a political statement by avoiding these other activities at the Olympics. But that was not embraced. And then as a result of that, we know what happened in 84. What did the Soviet Union, the then Soviet Union said, ours will not go, right? You dissed us essentially in 1980, and now we're going to do the same for you in 1984. Yeah, you ruined our party, we're going to ruin yours. You ruined our party, we're going to ruin yours. Again, who suffers? The athletes. The athletes who should be celebrated, who should be viewed by our leaders, our national and political leaders as our future, right? As, as the people who embody the characteristics and virtues of what we want. And this is how they're treated, right? It shows you that there's a misalignment of core values. But this decision but today, sits well with you. Yeah, this decision sits well with me. Because it reflects, in my opinion, that the International Olympic Committee and perhaps the fact that Anita is a member of the International Olympic Committee has, I, I don't know this, but I, I think that Anita certainly supports this decision to postpone for a year 
and Anita's experience may have helped the committee to see the value of that. So it is the right decision to postpone for a year because it understands and respects, well, I would say the value and the, the work and the needs of the athletes, right? The athletes want to go and compete. Okay, now it's not ideal that they have to have their schedule adjusted, but adjusting your schedule by a year for probably most of those athletes is still doable. Canceling an Olympics and saying you've got to wait four years, that's a much more difficult scenario. So I was very, very pleased when I saw this morning that the IOC had decided to postpone because we shouldn't be canceling Olympics. We should be making adjustments if we need to, which is what they're doing. And that's the right thing because this pandemic is way too serious for us to ignore from a, from a healthcare standpoint. And by then, we hopefully will be okay. You know, we'll have scenes, we'll be, a, the virus will probably mutate. I mean, this isn't the end of COVID-19. But, you know, we have, to get, we have to get the infrastructure prepared to deal with this type of event because it's certainly clear that we weren't very prepared. And it's not just us. I mean, the whole world wasn't prepared. But we certainly should have been more prepared. And my daughter, the other, the other reason why I, was, why I was so happy is my youngest child, uh, my young, I have three children, girl, boy, girl, and my youngest is a lightweight rower at Boston University. And this is her senior year. And this has been a devastating <sighs> series of events for her. So she doesn't have her senior racing season. She won't have commencement. She doesn't get to spend the rest of the spring semester with her, her teammates and her friends, right? So what, what should have been a very memorable time of her life has been taken from her and I told her that I understood what she was going through and that I probably more than most could understand the loss because of the 1980 boycott now that doesn't I mean I don't have the loss of the time that she has with her friends or her commencement or those things that are so memorable in our lives right I mean these are I'm sorry, I'm just getting choked up because, you know, she's been, it's been, it's been hard on her, but she's, she's done a, a really good job of, you know, working through it, but, but we have no choice. I mean, this is just what we have to do. She wanted to finish their, they were in um, Clemson training for spring break when the news came that the spring season was canceled. So they came back to Boston. This was like not this Sunday, but the Sunday prior, the Saturday prior. She wanted to stay up there to hang out with her friends some and do some more schoolwork. And I was, <laughs> she was going to come home on, on a Friday, but by Wednesday, I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I was like, I'm coming, I'm driving up to get you. I can't take it. I need to get you home. You're, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what your exposure is up there, but I just can't, I can't take it too much stress for me your mother yeah. is stressed I'm very stressed at the moment I'm in a very high stress time at the moment and I need you here so I know you're okay I did the same thing with my daughter in New York City I said I'm driving down 
I did that a couple days earlier for her. I said, I'm driving down and getting you out of that viral cesspool. I don't really, I am. I don't, there's, this is like a no, there's no conversation or discussion here. This is the decision. My son is, he lives, he's an engineer. He's in, he's in his self distancing. He's fine. So I mean, like our whole lives have been totally, completely upended by this. But we have no choice because this is a totally real health crisis. I feel you. I have a high school senior. So, oh, see? yeah. So you know. Yeah. Right. But, but my youngest, who has Olympic aspirations, and of course, this Olympics may be the last Olympics that there's lightweight rowing which is, of course, another huge mistake. And she's like, okay, they're going to you know, postpone for a year. Maybe I can still train for it. And that's a little ways away from now, but I was happy that um, it wasn't canceled yeah. because that's something that you know, she aspires to. Thank you so much, Mary. So what's next? The Tokyo Executive Board is meeting on March 30th, and... They've got the Tokyo 2020s organizing committee has the new launch task force. Here we and, go. And then the IOC Tokyo joint task force is here we go. So the, as we said, the goal is to have them before the end of summer, 2021, the current athletes who have qualified for the games are still qualified. So everyone who earned their spot is still going, but there are 43% of athletes have not qualified. So Qualifiers still have to happen, and the international federations have to figure that out. And uh, Now, have federations agreed to that? Is that official? I believe so. I mean, okay. because that's a huge number of athletes. Yeah. And you're still dealing with a lot of, a lot of sports and a lot of athletes. So we'll see. But uh, we have a perspective from the a national governing body who is another member of team Olympic fever whom you haven't met yet. Uh, this is Phil Andrews from USA weightlifting. He is the CEO there and he told us what they've been working on since the announcement. Take a listen. When did you have the idea that it definitely was getting, the Olympics were definitely getting postponed? I think when I internally said, yeah, this is definitely happening, is when Australia said uh, that they were they were not sending a team and asked to prepare for 21. The reason for that is because John Coates is the chairman of the IOC's Tokyo 2020 Coordination Commission, but he's also the president of the Australian Olympic Committee. So that was a massive clue, uh, and additionally, I would find it very difficult to believe the Olympic Committee would go on uh, with a Olympic Games without the Canadians. That's a, whilst that's one country of 206, uh, which should not dictate the Games, it's very difficult to believe that they would allow one of the largest countries in the Olympic movement and a, and a previous host country to not attend the Olympics through coronavirus. Um, so I think those, that, that, that day when both of those came down, I think for me was, was uh, the time when it became extremely likely that it would be uh, a delayed games. I think it's been certainly something that's been talked about for the last maybe week to two weeks. Um, and I think certainly as the uh, coronavirus has expanded or accelerated, uh, it's become more of an inevitability of a delayed games uh, than, uh, and indeed there's now been confirmed to be the case, 
than a possibility of a delayed games. And ultimately, they were talking about it, you know, as as recently or as a, a week ago, it began to be you know, a possibility with the meeting of the executive board and uh, beginning to explore options uh, with with the Japanese government and, and Tokyo 2020. It's interesting that the verbiage said uh, that the games will occur no later than the summer of 2021, but didn't actually give a date. Uh, so that could be as early as this fall, but I think it's much more likely to be next spring, um, which would be my re- renewed favor or revised favored date, or, or next summer. The reason I say the spring is whilst there'd be some disadvantages to a few calendars, um, that does solve some of the heat problems that Tokyo was facing uh, and that might be somewhat advantageous to to everybody. Uh, of course, there's a lot of things in play. World Championships in quite a few sports, um, in the basketball side, the NBA, their season and what that might look like given their season this year has been delayed. Tennis uh, and what that might look like for tennis and, and the Open Series. Um, of course, with this year, the French Open and um, uh, Indian Wells and several other major tennis events being cancelled or postponed. What does that calendar shake out like? Uh, for a lot of people, I think that issue. Uh, I think there's already been some questions raised about track and fields world championships. That I, I believe I saw a statement that along the lines of uh, there'd be a consideration given to um, push the, the Eugene 21 to Eugene 22. Go ahead, Alice. No, I should say John Coates going rogue again. No, he didn't go rogue. He was eerily <laughs> silent, and that was, you know, that is kind of a flag because he's a very outspoken man. Did you get John any Coates? John Coates? Yeah, we talk about him well, a lot. Well, he sort of he sort of did and he sort of didn't because you know the although it wasn't him, the Australian Olympic Committee coming out and saying prepare for games in 2021 is tantamount to saying it's in 2021. If you think about John Coates's role, his closeness to Bach, and particularly his chairmanship of the uh, of the coordination commission. You got to say that was probably, you know, for me that was almost as good as an IOC announcement. It wasn't an IOC announcement, but it was it was the closest thing. I believe that, to be honest with you, more than I did Dick Pound's announcement, which was after the uh, the Australian Olympic Committee announcement. But but you know, Coates would be somebody um, who would be sufficiently in the know to understand what's happening with that games. Did you get anything official from the IOC before the official statement was issued? No, it was uh, overnight our time here in the United States when the statement was issued. Uh, I think it was during the day in uh, Japanese time because I believe the statement was primarily issued. It was co-issued by the, the Japanese government and the um, and the IOC, but, but I, I believe that the relevant conversations and drafting happened on Japanese time. So how much has your inbox blown up in the past few hours? Um, Quite a bit with various different questions, many of which I don't have answers to yet, and many of which perhaps won't have answers to for a little while. uh, And those range from media inquiries to, I think, perhaps the most important right now is the AFLI inquiries about, you know, I I thought I was uh, qualified. Am I still qualified to, well, do I now have a chance to qualify? And questions like that, there's questions around our own calendar uh, here at USA Weightlifting and what does this mean for our own calendar next year? Uh, because, of course, uh, like like others, we have uh, championships planned for 2021 um, and indeed 2022, which may now need to be real. And uh, we had you know, host hotels, host venues even uh, reaching out 
with that news to say, well, what does this mean for us? In addition, we had, you know, people from our donor base, people from our sponsor base, people from the USOPC uh, reaching out, uh, all of which uh, was very welcome. Uh, and I think, to be quite honest, everybody realizes this is an unprecedented situation. I think it's important to realize not everybody will agree with decisions made in a crisis scenario. But ultimately, we've all got to work through this together and uh, we'll start doing that immediately. Is this just a wait and see for you at this point? See what everybody else does and the information you get from them? Well, it's a sort of a domino effect in the sense of, I think the first step is, is there a postponement? Okay, yes, there is. When is it to? 2021. When exactly? We don't know. Okay. So step one, therefore, becomes Tokyo 2020. And I think they need two or three weeks more to do this, uh, potentially up to four, which is what the IOC originally stated last weekend is to say when it's going to be. because that's a very serious decision internally in Japan. That itself will then domino into calendar rearrangements at the international federation levels in basically all sports, potentially even in winter sports that are Olympic sports too. But I think certainly into the, into the series of events uh, for summer sports. That then in turn affects our calendar because... We, we don't necessarily have to work our domestic calendar around our international federation events, but we wouldn't necessarily want a national event or certainly our national championships in the exact same time as the Olympic Games, for example. There's some championships like our youth nationals where it might actually make sense for them to be during the Olympic Games. So um, there's also the World Masters Games, which interestingly enough is in a small place named Tokyo next year, which could have some conflicts now with the Olympic Games potentially, which you know is, is an issue for our Masters lifters. So that, that's that's one side of it. The other side of it is we've now got an interesting challenge on the business side, that we expected uh, 2020 Olympics. Now it's the 21 Olympics. Now we've got to go and look at what does that mean uh, for us financially in terms of uh, funding athletes for the next year? And do we need to fund athletes to qualify again? Or do we need to just fund the athletes who are training for the Games? I just is frivolous, but it's it's meant in the sense of, you know, not just sheer numbers of people we've got to look at. How do we balance prepping for the 2024 Olympic Games, when typically we'd really start to do that in 21. Now we've got to have the Olympic Games at the same time. Um, how do we work through uh, potential selection challenges if there are some? How do we recover, of course, from the coronavirus issues as a whole? So, you know, all of those things are knock-on effects and domino effects. I think you know, there is a degree to it. and waiting right now for the actual date. I think the, the biggest thing about the postponement announcement is it allows the athletes to, first of all, have, they have to take a moment to take in almost a sense of loss, quite frankly. They've got right now that they, you know, they've spent their last few years and certainly in some cases longer looking towards, you know, a big red tower in a, in Japan as a, as a central point, for want of a terminology, than the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games as you know a focal point for all of that time and now that isn't taken away necessarily um although the yet to get confirmation that the aces thought they were ranked to go to the games but it certainly is in question ultimately that has been taken away the fact that that's in four months time 
So um, yeah, I think there's a. It would be fair to say there's a sense of loss amongst athletes right now who who were expecting to go to the games. I think everybody recognises the public health reasons and the health and safety reasons for the re- postponement. But it doesn't take away from the, the sense of loss. I think that's a reasonable thing uh, to feel for them. And to take, you know, take a couple of moments to down tools, to be honest. Our athletes can still train, but, you know, well, well the Olympics isn't there in July. What's our next international competition? Well, we don't know uh, because the Pan Ams has been cancelled or rather postponed in April. And the, you know, we have a World Youth Championship, but that doesn't affect the athletes concerned. What is the next championship to put your eye towards? And and really the next one that we can absolutely say with a degree of certainty is going ahead is our own championship in Las Vegas in September because I think it would be reasonable to say our own championships in May and June in the United States are are probably in some doubt due to coronavirus. So that's the impact, I think, immediately of the postponement and why it was really important to get that out immediately so that athletes can not uh, continue to to train in the way that they have looking ahead towards an Olympic Games. But, you know, there are certainly questions that come back. The next most important one, of course, will be to establish what does a new date look like and then everything cascades out calendar-wise from there. Have you had any issues with your athletes getting sick right now? No, we're we're quite fortunate. There has been Olympians around the world uh, that that have been sick. Um, so far as I'm aware, uh, none in the United States. But I might be wrong. If anyone follows uh, Bill Mallon, uh, he's a statistician out of North Carolina who's a phenomenal resource for almost anything statistics related. Uh, he has a list of Olympians who who have contracted uh, coronavirus around the world, including the Prince of Monaco and a swimmer from South Africa and one or two others that have. We are fortunate in the U.S. that I don't believe we have a case uh, that I'm aware of, certainly not in weightlifting. Uh, Our team, interestingly, did compete in Italy just before the outbreak in in late January, and we did get uh, some athletes who were sick over there at the time um, who we believe had influenza B. But, of course, now, um, some months removed from that, there is certainly speculation that you could give that was that an early uh, early indication of, of coronavirus, question mark? Possibly not, but equally, could it have been so? But we did compete over there, and uh, we still believe that was likely influenza because there are a couple of symptoms that line up always flu than they coronavirus. But it, it, it's, it's certainly something we've, we've talked about internally. How many years out do you and the International Federation plan events? So uh, we we tend to plan about one to two years in advance. We're we're talking about some events in 21 and some events in 22 just now in terms of domestic American events. The IF, uh, which is the International Weightlifting Federation, UIWF, tends to award um, what I might call critical championships, such as the final world championships for the Olympics, four years out and others i believe it's three some of them might be two but i think it's three so yeah the line of dominoes is very very long when you think about how much this decision actually affects yes and and don't forget you've also got issues in japan so for example weightlifting is supposed to be in the tokyo international forum which is an existing venue so they will have um, shows or exhibitions booked in that venue for 
whatever date we move to in 2021. Um, so is that venue available? Question mark. Can that ve- that um, other event be moved? Question mark. If not, can we identify a new venue? If yes, um, where does that event get pushed to? Uh, and of course, that event is most likely not a sporting event, but it's still an issue uh, that has to be dealt with by Tokyo 2020 and the Japanese government and, and the Tokyo Metropolitan Government. You know, it's not just sport. There's other areas because you know my guess is that there might be an exhibition show or maybe a theatre show that's going on in Tokyo around that time. One of the things we talked about, just what you said made me think of it, was they were talking about having cruise ships docked in Tokyo to provide extra hotel rooms. But yep. those cruise ships probably have cruises planned for those other dates. And now that, That's right. I mean, the decision tree that must be up on the Tokyo 2020 wall right now, I, I can't even imagine. And, and there'll be teams that are charged with that. The accommodation team at Tokyo 2020 will, will probably be looking after probably one of the busier ones because they've got to look after the hotels and, and most likely the cruise ships uh, plans as well. If the cruise ships have been used, uh, certainly in London, I've got to imagine they were in Rio as well. And, you know, there's other things as well, logistics. So one thing that, that happened in London was we had buses come in from First Group, was the name of the company that, that runs it in uh, the UK. Uh, they brought in buses from places like Glasgow and what have you. And so you've got to imagine Japan's got a similar operation for transportation. And again, that's got to be rearranged. Uh, contracts uh, moved. Uh, you've also got issues um, in the commercial side because Procter & Gamble, for example, I believe their sponsorship contract with the IOC ends in 2020. Well, okay, you might think, well, that seems easy enough. Just extend it a few months into 2021. Okay, but now what happens if that's not possible? Number one. Number two, of course, they have hospitality houses, which they have contracts for. P&G Home is, is a really great facility that the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee and P&G collaborate on uh, for friends and family, close friends and family of athletes. Similarly, we have our own training site. We've got to go and renegotiate that. Um, the USOPC will need to approach the Tokyo American Club and uh, begin some negotiations about rearranging those arrangements. Tickets are another issue. Can people make their ticket arrangements that they had for 2020? Do those tickets remain valid? Question mark. Similarly, if they do remain valid, what happens if people are unable to make that date uh, themselves? You know, uh, the other thing that comes to mind is flights. Some people already have flights booked into Tokyo. You know, it goes right down to the, the individual human beings of um, what happens with that flight. Can you rearrange it? Question mark. Um, are you economically, as an individual and indeed as, as companies, able to rearrange that? And where is that additional funding coming from? Not just for individuals, but also to an extent for the games themselves. Uh, lots of questions to answer. The, the other thing is that you know national federations and national Olympic committees will have funds committed to Tokyo, but also to Beijing, and they've now got to balance those books against you know different and competing priorities uh, with not necessarily more money coming through the front door. So um, there's a lot of things to be considered with a delay of the Olympic Games, financially, operationally, workload-wise. Another thing, employees. Tokyo 2020 employees most likely would probably have most of their contracts finished in October, maybe some in December, and probably scheduled to be started. wouldn't have uh, a full operating staff as they probably do right about now 
through into 21, then you've got volunteers. You know, they've done a, a very good job of volunteer recruitment in Tokyo from around the world. Two of my staff were volunteering at the Games. Can every volunteer do the next year? Do they have to now go and recruit new volunteers? They've just done all that training. Is that wasted? You know, so there's a whole raft of things that come off of this. Almost every department in Tokyo 2020 in the organizing committee will have uh, a job to do to, to rearrange that. And almost every Olympic-associated sport and organization will have to adjust in some way, shape, or form. Well, I'm also thinking that, you know, how can we do all this work when all of us are stuck at home? You know, all these associations, I'm sure your staff you can conference call, but that's not the same as being in the office. And that's true around the world. And so they're having to tackle these huge issues with more limited resources in terms of people. Well, I agree. This is certainly a workload no one anticipated. You usually have, you know, five years to seven years um, to get ready for an Olympic Games as an organizing committee. Uh, usually four years to get ready for a Games uh, as a as a LOC or National Federation and, and indeed, you know, we, we're already looking at where do we train during the Los Angeles Olympic Games in 28. Uh, so we're thinking that far ahead. What I will say is it feels like a games time operation. And you know, the USOPC in particular is, is good at that. Other national Olympic committees are also. Most people in Tokyo 2020 um, are also used to games time operating. And that just requires an unbelievable amount of work in, in less than ideal circumstances with decisions made very quickly. And I think that's where everybody's operating right now. Um, so I think, you know, funnily enough, I think we're relatively well equipped for that challenge. Uh, certainly at the national level, um, the IOC level, and the organizing committee level. The international federations are a little less so because you know, for them, games time is busy, no question about it. But it, it's busy in the sense of it's very similar to a world championship event. Um, if you think about the games really being, you know, 33 odd world championships. That's not a bad comparison without having to actually do the organizing side of that that the International Federation perhaps usually would have to do. So I I sort of disagree. I think that the Olympic organizations are generally pretty well prepared for that because of our experience during games time. Um, A lot of Tokyo 2020 people will have worked on previous games. And indeed, some of the people who are working on weightlifting specifically uh, have worked on previous games um, in Rio uh, in most cases. So I think we're pretty well set up. I, I, you know, we're as an organisation, you're going to say, well, you're yeah, pretty well with uh, the remote working. Uh, we're a fairly, relatively slim amount of staff, and we've we've got relatively good at that because we have a couple of remote workers anyway, and because a number of us are on the road quite a bit. Honestly, I'm I'm liking being home and being able to see my wife and my two cats, um, but. Um, don't be wrong, it would be nice to have the office as a facility at least, the ability to meet face-to-face. But I have to say, I think we're coping rather well generally with that challenge. Well, you sound incredibly calm, Phil. It's, I think after this week, um, <laughs> it, it's been, or the last few weeks, it's been, it's been challenging after challenge. And I think, you know, there are questions to be answered and there's issues to be addressed. But... We we can only do what we can, uh, and I think the good news and the bad news is this is a thing that's affecting everybody. You know, whether you're interested in sport or not, the coronavirus has affected your business, your life, your friend, your colleague, and so you know I, I think that's where 
in a way, yes, we're addressing crisis, but so is everybody right now. One thing that's really important is the mental health aspects right now of um, of everybody, um, you know, involved and not involved, especially athletes with, you know, as I say, that sense of loss. I think some of them are feeling, but everybody. I mean, it, it's something I've really tried to do is just take a break from the news. You know, twenty four seven Corona coverage um, is is not necessarily healthy to listen to. And uh, I think we're taking a break from that's really helpful. And sometimes just taking a break and doing something that's, you know, frankly, that's part of my everyday job as opposed to um, specific to the, the coronavirus crisis or to the Tokyo Games is is well worth doing and just trying to take some time out. I mean, like yesterday I did our diversity inclusion statistics for no other reason than it was a good idea to get those done. I had three more months to do them. But it made sense to just take a break, do something to tick off the to-do list that I could do or would have to do with or without the coronavirus crisis. I feel like you're accomplishing something. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, Phil, thank you so much for taking time and talking with us. It's really helpful to hear your perspective. And we've been talking with a lot of Team Olympic Fever members today. And just it's it's helpful to hear what's going on in in people's worlds and how you know just how we as fans can help i think just be supportive i think that's the, how you can help just be supportive of, of athletes in particular but also coaches administrators to the degree you know, first and foremost the athletes who, who have been working for such a long time towards goals uh, in the olympic games but um but and i think the other side of it is honestly some patience right now i think from everybody because once There'll be a lull a little bit right now. And then once we get that news about date, there'll be a little bit of a frenzy, I think. Thank you so much, Phil. We'll have Phil's interview on shortly, I believe. Yeah, it was originally going to be this week. <laughs> yeah. But that kind <laughs> of got bumped. bumped. And what was very funny was we spoke to him at the beginning of the week and he said, oh, we've been on the phone for seven or eight minutes and things may change. Right. And then we had to call him back and say, remember how he said things might change? But yeah, he brought up all the many, 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 many layers and moving parts right. that oh. are going to have to fall into place so that the idea that everybody's kind of working in the same direction and everybody, it feels like, wants to make this successful for the athletes. Mm -hmm. And that's so, for those of us who are fa truly fans of the games mm -hmm. and that's what we watch it for. I think we're okay. And I think they want to make it su successful for Japan, too. I, I think everybody realizes that Tokyo has worked incredibly hard and the country has pumped so much money into building venues, making great facilities, all of the little details, and that they deserve to have a good games as well. And man, if we make it to that point, we're all going to need it. Yeah. It is. I mean, it is tough. It's tough on all of us mm -hmm. it, on different levels. You know, mm -hmm. for the athletes, this is a lifelong dream for the, the planning committee, for the healthcare. I mean, this is like nothing any, any of us have ever experienced. And we realize the Olympics is like a tiny portion of that. But let, let's keep that that view of the cauldron in the distance. Right. You know, we can get there. We can get there. And everybody wants to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, a lot of interesting details keep coming up in the news on the, oh, did you think of this? Oh, like you, the 
the reader? Did you know that this is a moving part and that's a moving part? Like Phil mentioned, the venues. There's 40, 43 venues. Somehow that number seems just so huge to me. I didn't quite realize how many venues they had. I mean, granted that you have a lot of football venues and multiple venues for baseball, softball, but geez, that's a lot of venues to wrangle to be at the same time period. And so many of those venues, you know, going back to the new norm and trying to use existing venues and trying to save the host city's money, those venues are used for a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And the other ven- the other part of the new norm was temporary venues. You know, you got to make those last. They can't be that temporary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've got to now, because almost everything was done. They were really mm-hmm. on schedule with construction, which mm-hmm. was great. But now those temporary venues have to survive another year. Right. You're talking about a village for 11,000 athletes that was slated to become condos. So that process, I think they have stopped selling or doing those upfront sales for the the village condos to try to figure out when they'd actually be available for the the buyers. Right. Because if you bought a condo thinking you'd be moving in in the winter, Mm -hmm. but now you can't move in until next year. I mean, the ripples just keep right? going. Oh, you know, they going. talk like 90,000 volunteers that you have to see if they are going to be available for the new dates. And if they aren't, you've got to recruit more. Although they, I don't think. I don't think that's going to be a problem. problem. They, no. had a, they had a long <laughs> list. But you know what? Maybe it will be because is this going to change people's willingness to travel to another country? I don't know. That's good. It's going to be interesting to see how the whole pandemic is going to affect all of us and how we act in the future. And keeping those, you know, we always hear about stories of like a stomach flu going around the village Mm -hmm. or something like that, which is a problem for those athletes who get it, but it's never a big story. Mm -hmm. But now all of a sudden, right. They've got to rethink health and safety of the village. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you've got sponsors who some of them had sponsorship deals that were supposed to end after the games with the the sponsors of the IOC, sponsors of the USOPC were supposed to end. Like one of them, there there are multiple that were ending after the 2020 games. One of them is the airline. The official airline currently is United Airlines. And starting January 1st, 2021, it's shifting to Delta. And there's a little bit more complexity about that. I've read in maybe Sports Business Journal or from a reporter who is very much in the know and aware of these things that there is some kind of joint US OPC LA 2028 venture. And all of these sponsorship deals are shifting to that venture on January 1st, 2021. So, wow. how and does that's that just work? one country. That's yes. just the United States right. sponsorships. Then you've got the IOC, the top sponsors. Mm-hmm. And then you've got each country has their own Right, what they've been able to work on. Yes, exactly. And then each federation Mm -hmm. has Has sponsors that they need to work with. Because I'm sure there were lots of campaigns Mm -hmm. that were going to launch because now we have those new uh, Rule 40 rules. Right. Right. So I'm sure there were all these campaigns being geared up Mm -hmm. for this summer, you know, launching new products or Mm -hmm. this new ad campaign. Will we get our Oreos? I know. Is Ted Ligety's cutout going to be in my store with my my metal-shaped Oreos? Don't know. Ted, I need my Oreos. 
Can I tell you though? So here in the U.S. and I'm sure in a lot of countries, things were wiped out on the shelves. Mm, yeah. But one thing that was not wiped out, they had this monstrous display of Oreos. Really, I'm surprised that that's Regular not a comfort room. Okay. Regular Oreos were gone, but all the various flavors. They were Nabisco was just keeping me stocked with Easter Oreos. <laughs> I am going to be as fat as the Easter bunny by the time this quarantine is over. Oh, yeah, you know it. I'm I am gonna, not I'm, staying I am, healthy. <laughs> I am, I am going to be doing some Chelsea challenges at home. Oh. She's been doing some home-based ones, so I'm like, ooh, calisthenics can do that. Uh, and the uh, one of the other big things that I had seen in the media is about the media. You have rights-holding broadcasters from around the world. And in the U.S., NBC Universal had already sold 1.25 billion in ads for the Olympics. So what does that mean for those advertisements? When you think about those advertisers, they've been working on putting together those ads for months, if not years. And how are those ad campaigns going to be put on hold? Will they need to be reworked? Because what's popular and new and fresh now may not be popular and new and fresh in nine months or 12 months. And then just really taking that down to like the micro level, we were going to relaunch our new name with a hundred oh, right. days out. Right. We were. And we had worked on our whole calendar for what we were doing between now and Beijing 2022. Well, that just went out the window and we're just like the tiniest cog. We're not even a cog. We're, we're like, like a teeny a, tiny spring or a screw. Little screw. <laughs> we're a little screw in the corner of the cog. And yet this just created a whole new avalanche of work for us. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, and then, you know, we're never in the same room generally. We are social distancing while we're recording. <laughs> but, you know, all these people aren't together. We can't sit there with the whiteboard mm -hmm. and work it all out and everybody's in the same situation. So it's mind boggling how many layers this is. And then all of our people who've told us about their tickets. Right. And so far, CoSport for the U.S. people and for anybody who has CoSport tickets, because they do cover several countries, they have said that Tokyo 2020 purchases will be honored at the Games in 2021. But they do have to work out a lot of details. Because so, what if you can't go in the new dates? Right. What's the schedule? If, if they totally have to rework the schedule, which took, you know, five, six years to put together, and now they had to do it in like six months, but what if they have to rework when events are and suddenly and you have you triple events booked cross. Yes. Or you can't be on opposite sides of the city that mm -hmm. quickly. Exactly. So Ugh. we'll see. Although it was funny that the day the, the postponement was announced, my ticket robot popped up and, hey, there are a whole bunch of new tickets available for the person for, for purchase. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. You know what else? And this is sad is that the dulcet tones of Jason Bryant, who was slated to announce at Tokyo, got a letter from his employer that uh, his gig at Tokyo has been canceled and the, the job has been rescinded. And they said all jobs and sports relating to the sport presentation had to be canceled because, once again, everything is up in the air and they don't know what's going on. So that is an obvious disappointment to him, not just the loss of money, but also the experience to have as a two-time Olympic announcer? Well, probably the person who employs those people 
has to renegotiate or just oh, renew yeah, their yeah. contract. Right. Because right. it was for those specific dates. So I'm mm-hmm. hopeful that the dulcitones of Jason Bryant will be in Tokyo. I with am you. hopeful too. I, I would imagine that they don't want to have to go through the whole hiring process again and that they can just say, hey, are you available these days? Here you go. And so we'll I mean, see. why wouldn't you hire the dulcet tones of Jason Bryant? I know, I know right? I, I'm going to have him announce my life. <laughs> if you haven't been following him on Facebook or Twitter, do so because he was supposed to announce the NCAA wrestling champs last weekend and had to do it from home. So it, the the <laughs> the clips are hilarious. <laughs> another another thing, I just got this today. Olympin was slated to have its next pin collector festival for the fall because they always have one after the games. And it's usually a really big one because everybody wants to get the things they haven't gotten before or what what did I miss from Tokyo and get my collection filled out. That's going to be postponed until after the games happen. So More ripples. More ripples indeed. So now all of the Tokyo countdown clocks that are posted around the city... They now just say date and time. Have you seen these pictures? No. Yeah, they had all the the days, hours, minutes, and now it just says here's the today's date, today's date, and the time. But those will get restarted. They will get restarted once because they have Tebok new... told us we are not canceling. That is true. That is true. And Dick Pound agreed with him, and John Coates agreed with him. So even the rogues are all on the same page. We are right. not canceling. But oh my God, we are going to lose our minds because. This means that Tokyo and Beijing are going to be within so close, like they maybe could be within six, six months. months of each other. Yep. Oh so. my god, my head hurts. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll be planning. We got a little bit of time to plan now. Yeah, um, we're self isolated. We don't have anything else to do. But the hope that is the Olympic flame it will remain in Japan, and it will be displayed in Fukushima. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's yeah. nice because. Today, the day we're taping and the uh, episode comes out, which is Thursday, was the day the torch relay was supposed to start. But they have said so they're the, just storing. the flame is, yes, they're just storing the flame and the, the hope will light our way, light our way as we come up with a whole new schedule. And by golly, aren't you glad it's Tokyo who has to deal with this? Seriously. Can you imagine if this was Sochi? Or Rio. Or Rio. Oh, Rio would have been a bad scene. You know what they're doing, Joe? They're keeping the flame alive. That's right. That they are. That they are. So we are excited to see what you come up with. Wish you all the best. We know it's going to be long and hard. And we, I got to say, I appreciate all that they're doing. Me to too. I'm so impressed with how, you know, we've been on a lot of these media calls and pros all the way around. Right. They're going to be. Plus. Right. <laughs> they're going to be working nonstop for the next year to year and a quarter to make this go off they're gonna do it yes tokyo is gonna rock this it's gonna be amazing it's going to be as juan antonio samaranch would say the best games ever we have a quick team olympic fever update for you (laughs) tofu sad news first condolences to nate bartholome our pairs skater on the death of his grandmother which is really sad she sounded like a lovely woman not from COVID. I don't think so. Oh, but, but, good. But Nate's sibling, uh, Jamie, is one of my Facebook friends and oh, posted well, that. So it's very that. sad. But on happier notes, if you are looking for workouts so you don't turn into fluffy Easter bunny, Megan Duhamel 
has been creating mini workout videos on her YouTube channel, which is Lutz of Greens. That's L-U-T-Z of Greens. And so you can stay fit with her. And also Classroom Champions has been on Facebook Live and doing little movement stuff there. And uh, Keegan Randall was on Classroom Champs on Thursday the 26th. Stay healthy, stay active. That's are the, the Olympic oh, hashtags. That's right. Very and good. I've been watching people bench press their dogs and their kids, all the Olympians, <laughs> you know, showing all their workouts. And it really, it just shows the Olympic spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate to be so cliche, but it, it really does. Yeah. Gives me some hope. Hang in there, people. Wash your that's hands. Right. Stay home. That's right. Stay home. Wash your hands. And listen to podcasts. We'll keep you company. That's right. We're better than social media. We talk back. <laughs> All right. Well, that will wrap it up for this week. Let us know your thoughts on the postponement. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you worried? Are you excited? Let us know what you think. Email us at olimfever at gmail.com. Call our voicemail hotline at 530-70-FEVER. We're Olimfever on Twitter and Insta and Olympic Fever Podcast Group on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive. Here we go. Do 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 do.